2: hello welcome everyone to the spotlight here on fightful.com and it is a three-man booth this week connor casey is joining steven jensen and i steven jensen with a late announcement that he got dismissed from jury duty jensen did you just walk in with with your sunglasses and be like i'm not i'm here but i'm not gonna be here and i'm done what happened here? How did you get dismissed from jury? dude? Did, did they yeah. see your name? And they're like, that's Steven Jensen of the spotlight. We can't have him missing the show.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, I got bigger and better things and more important things to do on Thursday morning than be at court dealing with like criminals and, and making big decisions and stuff in Fulton County. So, but I, um, no, very, 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 very short and not exciting story. Uh, basically, there's a number you call the night before you have to go in, and it's a pre-recorded message. And I called the number last night, and I was prepared, man. I had like my my slacks and button up, like all ready to go this morning. And I really didn't want to go. Knives and
2: guns, yeah. You gotta have your <laughs> knives and guns in wrestling nah. court, uh,
3: right? True, true. <laughs> um, but I, I really didn't want to go because it was like I would have had to wake up super early. I would have had to drive downtown, have to get on a bus, have to get over to the courtroom. This whole it's the whole thing. And then you might not even get picked once you're there. So I was like, I was dreading having to do it. Anyway, I called the number last night. They said my group wasn't called in, and they said you're excused. I was like, okay, perfect. So then I called you immediately or texted you immediately. I was like, hey, I I don't have to do jury duty tomorrow anymore. Um, so I said if you got someone lined up. You yeah. said, I'm gonna read this text verbatim.
2: Mm-hmm. You said hold on. I'm I don't have jury duty. I know you have Connor Casey on the show. Bump that asshole off the show. And I am back and I'm going to be on. Tell Connor to kick rocks. That's word for
3: word what you said. I have it right here.
1: You dare talk to your interim pillar to post champion that way? yeah I, I literally uh <laughs> let me pull the text up real quick
2: no the, you don't, i have the receipts here i have the receipts
1: jeremy's to, the transcriber so i trust him yes
2: thank you thank you all i do is start shit on these shows That's I all I really see everyone knows um, i just try to get everybody to fight each other and then i just <laughs> sit back and watch the chaos that's that's my role here connor casey thank you for joining us i did message you on like tuesday when i realized i thought i so more behind the scenes stuff is people are like where's the wrestling talk uh i thought about i, I was going to message you on like monday night jensen it's like shit we don't have anybody lined up for this week to interview I should message Jensen and be like, who are we going to talk to? Because you usually record these on Tuesday. And then I was like, oh, Jensen, is jury duty this week. We don't need to line up a guest. I need to line up a co-host. Yeah. And then, so I messaged Connor because you reached out uh, last time I needed a co-host. and I already, I already had SB3 lined up. I messaged you. I was like, hey, can you do the show? You're very gracious to do it. And then you came on pillar to post and you whooped, you buried SB3. You literally murdered that man on air. And then you graciously uh, co-hosted this, and Steven Jensen is here, and we're running a three-man booth. We're here to talk about wrestling. Connor, though, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing good, man. Uh, this is—I'm not used to the uh, the early morning zoo uh, podcast time. I'm more of a more of an afternoon podcasting brand, but uh, but no, I'm here and I'm happy to be here. This uh, I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing, so uh, let's get at it,
2: guys. We're going to we're going to start with we're going to start with a uh, professional wrestler. Or do you want to be a
1: WWE superstar? No. WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better than me than being a professional wrestler. Heard
2: are going to start with that voice right there. Vince McMahon, more information came out on him last week from the Wall Street Journal. More hush money was paid, including a $7.5 million hush pack to a former employee who he allegedly coerced for sexual favors to for raises and pushes. I, look, I don't have a lot to add from, obviously, the legal standpoint of all of this. But, Connor, I know you wanted to discuss kind of the future with WWE and Vince McMahon. So I'm going to give you the floor on this. And I'm not going to mention canceling Vince McMahon because I don't want to be uh, laid up next to SB3.
1: You, you, you saw what happens when, <laughs> when you bring that up. but yes. Ted. So we're six days removed now from the Wall Street Journal report. And just about everybody has given their two cents already as to what this means. We've we've done the speculation whether or not he's going to this is actually going to be the thing that gets him out. I wanted to kind of take things in a bit of a different direction and talk about what it actually means if Vince McMahon does depart from WWE. Because whether it's now or down the road when nature takes its course and he kicks the bucket at some point wwe will be run by somebody not named vince mcmahon so i i and i i've thought about this before i'm like okay what happens when he's out of the that's out of that position and i don't think it's the magic bullet that some folks are thinking it's going to be we all assume that oh when he When he's gone, Triple H will step into power and it'll be like Black and Gold NXT era across Raw and SmackDown and we'll have storylines that make sense and characters that we care about. And I just don't think those changes are immediately going to happen. Every time that idea comes up, I think of the history of the Walt Disney Corporation. If you follow the history of how that company has gone in the last 50 years, when Walt died in the late 60s, all the way up through Michael Eisner taking over as head of Disney in the early eighties, the company was effectively defined by the sentence. What would Walt do? They, they looked at every creative decision with that mindset. And it's why when people talk about their favorite Disney products, they usually don't come from the seventies. And why you see things like the black cauldron on top of lists is like, this is the weirdest Disney project ever. And it's one of the worst it's because They were still trying to go behind the the thought process of what would Walt do. So let's say, hypothetically, because we talked about this on Pillar to Post. Let's say this is what forces Vince to step away. And a year from now, he's gone. I don't think WWE looks much different than it does right now. If Stephanie McMahon is running the show, well, she was raised under Vince. One has to imagine her sensibilities for the business match his. If Bruce Pritchard's sticking around, his entire booking philosophy is, well, what made Vince happy? You know, what what's the big attraction? What what keeps the what keeps the old man you know humming along? Could Triple H step in as a creative role? Sure. But we still don't know how how accessible he is given his heart condition. And then even if none of those people are directly following creative, you can't tell me that the sentence what would Vince do doesn't get said a million times before somebody actually takes the Michael Eisner role, steps in and says, OK, we do legitimately need to go in a new direction. So I don't think so for the people that are holding their breath and hoping that this might be the thing that gets Vince out. And I hope it is personally. I think it's this, you know, in any other line of work, he'd already be gone. And I think what we what we've come to find out in the past few months, is pretty reprehensible but I don't think WWE goes through these massive sweeping changes the moment he leaves. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I'm with you. I, um,
3: you know, a, a, maybe a comparable example would be kind of when the UFC was sold um, the fertitas state, uh, the Fertitta's left the, there the, the were the owners, but Dana White stayed on who was the president and also a part owner. And, you know, People were like, "Well, what's this going to mean? What's what changes are going to happen now that this is like a, a new ownership and stuff?" And honestly, depending on how you look at it, the product's gotten worse. It's gotten better depending on how you. It depends on how you look at at it as a fan. But it's like once they left, it became more about like super fights and and the and like making guys like Joe Rogan wear like suits on commentary when before they wouldn't. And so they just made like just different changes. It made it a little bit different, but it overall didn't really change the product too much. It just made it a little bit more entertainment based because they, they were looking at it more as like, Hey, if this guy wants to fight this guy, who cares about which weight class is happening? We, we just want to make money. Like it kind of some like the rankings and, and the way the structure kind of worked kind of changed a little bit, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same, the same company it was. With WWE, I don't see there being massive changes either, regardless of who's in charge. Because, like you said, Stephanie Stephanie and Triple H and Shane, if he were to come back, are all from the Vince tree. Shane Shane's probably the most of the biggest rebel of all of them. Like I could see Shane kind of like going off and trying to take it in his own direction because he's left the company multiple times trying to start his own thing before. So, like. I could see Shane maybe being kind of a rebel out of the group and trying to make some big changes. But my my assumption is the main guy in charge will probably be Nick Khan, even if it's a team of, like, Nick Khan with Stephanie and Triple H or however they do it. But Nick Khan, I think, is literally right now just going – like, he's got the Vince McMahon playbook. Like, he has McMahon just showing him, like, this is how I do it. This is how the company does it so on and so forth and he's just being a sponge and kind of trying to be the next Vince is what it seems like. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. It, it's just one of those things where like, and wh- like you said, Connor, whether WWE, whether this is the straw that breaks the Campbell's back and WWE needs to, you know, they got to do something about Vince now or Vince decides to vote himself out of his own job. Cause that's pretty much what needs to happen and, and all this stuff. Regardless, the share because I've heard people say, well, the shareholders, like the shareholders have got to be really nervous. Like the shareholders don't want to get rid of Vince. The shareholders trust Vince, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, at some point, I mean, he's still like almost 80. Like, so like, there has to be a succession plan of some kind. Like the shareholders have to know at some kind at some point Vince isn't going to be that guy. So there has to be some sort of plans in place for a succession there. But unfortunately, whether it's like a Nick Khan or a a Stephanie or whoever winds up kind of being the person in power after Vince, if they're still making more money than they've ever made, and they're still a bigger worldwide Brown brand than they've ever been. Like, I don't think they're going to change anything about what they do. As a matter of fact, I think the future of the WWE, I've talked about this before. This is a whole rabbit hole. We don't have to go down, but I think the future of the WWE is literally like, what we're starting to see in movies with like CGI and holograms and and like bringing people back from the dead and all this stuff. I think the future of the WWE is literally like them using like a hologram of like prime Steve Austin to wrestle like a current day Roman reigns in the metaverse like that's oh, like rule no like that's the future i think of the company like literally i think that the, the smartest thing they can do is get as many ips as they can for for wrestlers that were really really famous and really really popular and basically get to work on them in the metaverse because they're not creating their own new stars so just use the old stars when when you, when you basically bring them back you know so that's how this I, that's is the what greatest
2: I, idea i've ever heard this rules well, i i hope that's what actually happens
3: yeah because what, what's the point of like because you know they're already not signing indie wrestlers really they're not really interested in building new stars like they have their star in Roman Reigns they have their star in Cody they have their star in Saw in uh, in uh, Charlotte Don't say Sasha I almost <laughs> said Sasha I, I, I meant uh, Charlotte She's not I, a Sa- star according I'm sorry. to Sorry I, I was trying to say Charlotte yeah. but but yeah no I'm a fan of Sasha as well obviously but I know that she's you know I'm looking forward to her doing her own thing somewhere else but I um but honestly I think that's the that's the future of the company is like where, if you want to see like real, legitimate, like pro wrestling, it's going to be AEW and in the indie scene, you're going to have plenty of that. And WWE is just going to become more and more entertainment based. And at some point, it's not even going to have to do with like real wrestling, in my opinion. So, because it already doesn't really have to do with wrestling, it's pretty much just a bad, it's a D level acting show with like a few athletic people on it. I mean, it's here's, here's our
2: argument. The business side, if Vince is gone, I don't think that changes much because I think Nick Khan already has pretty big control over the business side. And Stephanie's done a lot of work on that side as well. I do think if Stephanie's in charge, there are people that she would like to get rid of. We can, we can camera cut to them right now. Um, and I think there's other people that she would like to get rid of. I'm more interested in what we see on screen because that's what affects me. I'm not a shareholder. I'm not a stockholder. I'm not, I'm not really purchasing any of their their products outside of the Peacock Network. And I just watch 30 Rock all day on that. So I don't care as much about the business side, but the on-screen, the the Raw and the SmackDown and the premium live events, that's what I care about. And that's what I want to see what changes the most if Vince is gone and if somebody like Triple H has power or if Bruce Prichard continues to have power or if Jeff Jarrett gets elevated, whoever is the head of creative there, what changes did they make on the on-screen product? And that's where I do think things will change because Vince is very much set in his ways with these things where Triple H, he proved in NXT. He's getting uh, sent gift baskets from Reddit and everything during his uh, top run in NXT. So he proved he he has a certain philosophy when it comes to wrestling. Bruce has his own philosophy. I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, Based on his podcast, I'm not the biggest fan in the world. Jeff has his own philosophy, which is – put the title on himself which cool um so they've all they've got their different philosophies than vince does but that's where i'm interested of the change if vince steps back not so much about the day-to-day business because they're making more money than ever i think they'll continue to make a lot of money without vince because stephanie seems to have a a good head on her shoulders with everything and is hopefully not going to get caught up in the things vince has been caught up in nick Khan, you. Hopefully the same thing, but the business, they're still going to make these million billion dollar deals. And it might be more beneficial with Vince's Vince gone. And there is no, hey, all these lingering allegations are being held over the company because the guy in charge has these allegations against them.
1: Well, here, here's the funny thing is that if Vince left tomorrow, WWE would still have the most profitable year it's ever seen. <laughs> simply because yeah. those contracts with Fox, NBC Universal and Saudi Arabia aren't going anywhere. And when the next run of deals comes around, we're not to assume that they're going to get any less because the premium on live entertainment for television networks hasn't gone down. So they fill, even though their their quality isn't where it was 20 years ago, the need to have that product on screen, they fill that. So they're allowed to dictate the price to go higher and higher. And the Saudi deal isn't done for at least another late into this decade. So they're still going to make an obscene amount of money. So it's funny that WWE tries to tell shareholders, oh, everything falls apart if Vince leaves. No, it doesn't. They could run reruns of Monday Night Raw from 98 on USA every week. They might get mad. But the deal, the deals will continue. The money is still going to come in. When people, when, you know, Roman Reigns goes on SmackDown and says, I'm the reason we're having the most profitable era of all time. It's like, you have literally nothing to do with this. This is entirely based off of television contracts, um, and also uh, Jeff Jarrett had two booking philosophies. One was put himself over, and two was not put the title on Monty Brown. You yeah,
3: that was that was still yeah. I'm still salty about that. He, Monty like Brown everyone. should have been the the NWA TNA champion, undoubtedly.
2: Everyone should be oh. salty about. It. If you don't think Monty Brown should have been TNA champion, we're not friends
0: because we well, they
3: because they, they, they needed their homegrown guys and like he was one of them like that was that yeah was a thing of beauty well Monte he he, and he, he got good so quickly too he was just a guy who the, the natural charisma and the athleticism and he just he just it just clicked so fast for him um anyways yeah we, can, we can do a whole whole podcast on money brown for sure i agree with everything y'all are saying though like i mean that's that's the thing that that's the that's the, kind of the that's where like me as a wrestling fan. That's why I don't even get like mad about it or even think about it too much when it comes to WWE because it's like, who am I to say? I mean, when it comes to Vince, that's a whole other thing. But like the WWE in general, it's like, who am I to say they're doing anything wrong? Like they're making more money than they ever have. You know, not not as many people are watching like in the U.S., but worldwide, it's this humongous brand. It's like a McDonald's level of like recognizability You see that W logo and it's like, even if you don't know what, know what wrestling is, you know what WWE is. And, and uh, you know, and you know, and they market their, their product to PG product. It, it's just a show that just isn't really for me anymore. I watch it once a month on pay-per-view or, or, or special event or whatever they call it, premium live event. That's pretty much it. But, like, I can't really knock what they're doing because it's working for them bottom line wise and they're continuing to grow their brand. It's just not really a product for me. When it comes to, like, Triple H, though, I was excited for for the, the, the potential of him being in charge because I did really love that black and gold NXT era. Like, I thought that he did great with that. And not even so much – he did great with the storyline aspect, which I'd imagine was a collaboration between the wrestlers and him. Like, there was probably a lot of people putting their heads together to make, you know, really cool stuff happening on that show. But what really excited me about a guy like Triple H is he's a guy who went out and, you know – uh, signed Jushin Thunder Liger for a match when he was under New Japan contract. Wrestled Tyler Breeze and like he's he had a guy he's a guy who was signing all the hot indie acts off off you know the scene outside of WWE and so that's what excited me about Triple H was like this guy's got his finger on the pulse of what's cool outside of WWE and maybe he can make it so that like this product is a lot more geared towards what I want to watch. Um, but the more and more he kind of loses power and the more that like Nick Khan kind of becomes that guy. It just kind of seems like the next Vince to me. I my honest my honest prediction is that this will just streamline the WWE selling like this whole Vince thing. I think Vince is like trying to get out there and kind of middle finger everybody, like go out to the UFC and show his face and show his face on the wrestling shows and like really be out there more now than he's been in a long time, just to kind of give a middle finger to everybody. And then I think they sell to like a like a Disney or like a much bigger corporation, and Nick Khan stays on as kind of like their Vince. And the other thing is Vince is never going to really be gone. Like as long as he's alive and his phone works, like they're still going to be calling him to for consulting stuff constantly, I'm sure. So like, even if he steps away, he's still going to be involved, I'd imagine to some degree.
1: And and Jeremy, you talk about how you don't really necessarily care about the business side and you're more interested in what's happening on screen and creative. The problem is, is that the business side dictates what we see on screen wrestling fans have been trained now for two generations to pay very close attention to television ratings even though we all are seemingly in agreement that the nielsen ratings system is flawed we all still look at it because we were told for 20 years that that was what dictated who was winning the wrestling war between wwf and wcw I, i swear i mention this book every time i'm on a show but guy evans is nitro that book states in very plain english The reason WCW was no longer around had nothing to do with Vince Russo, Kevin Nash, or any of the bad booking decisions of the year 2000. It was because Turner did not want it because Ted Turner was no longer in power and could not veto everybody else within that company booting them off. So when the Time Warner AOL merger happens and they say, hey, we don't want this show anymore, there was no one that could tell them no. So the business side of things dictates so much of what we see on TV. So that's why wrestling fans are, fans are trained to be obsessed with it. It so does, that's, that's but, do this.
2: but if Triple H is in charge and he switches things up on television a little bit, like maybe it affects the ratings one way or another. I don't think they're going to continue to go down at the rate they've gone down. Maybe he can help stabilize things. I Possibly. mean, it dictates a little bit, but like the product they put out now is just, it's not good like i i have no desire to watch a lot of it i don't know if triple h helps it hurts it or anything but they're going to put out their their the product they've been putting out i think triple h helps it for a for a little for wrestling fans like us who enjoy logical things uh, and who enjoy like actual good stories and some actual wrestling i think there's about 10 minutes of wrestling on smackdown this past week. I I think for us, like he will help things. I don't think he's going to do a complete overhaul and go like full on indie this type of thing. I do think that wrestlers will get a little bit more say in, in what they do, because you listen to all these, uh, old nxt the the black and gold nxt guys they talk about it's a collaboration with triple h triple h would maybe tweak some things but for the most part it was my idea and i just go out there and got to be myself and it worked and then of course you see the wwe stuff and it's all this overproduced uh stuff that that we see nowadays and i think triple h will scale that back a little bit i don't think the business changes that much i do think the on-screen product potentially gets a little bit better because you will have a guy and I'm, I'm just throwing out triple h it could be somebody else and if it's somebody like bruce then i don't know if it changes for the better I'm, I'm using triple h as the example based on what we know with the gift baskets and the booker of the year awards um i think he gives a little bit more control to the wrestlers scales he doesn't go full, like WWE, one of their big selling points is we are an overtop production. He's not scaling it back to, hey, let's go Dark Arena's death metal like uh, Black and Gold NXT, but he will bring the overtop production while still making it a little bit more gritty and grimy like we saw in the, the Attitude Era. Obviously not to, to that extent because that that era is just past. I think Triple H being in charge of the product helps the the on-screen and it doesn't change the business that much because their business is going to be their business and as long as triple h isn't pissing off you know the networks and and pissing off peacock or or usa nbc fox as long as not pissing off executives with what he puts out on screen and he's smart enough not to be like okay well we need blood and guts we need to do this and that i don't think the the product is going to change to to where these the networks are like, all right, yeah, we don't want this anymore.
1: Yeah, if if the theme song of Raw becomes a Slipknot song, then we know <laughs> Triple H. They don't do even have theme thing. songs anymore. They just stop kind of theme do. songs. I'm
3: about but, to ask yeah, what I mean. the theme song of like Raw currently is. It was like NF really.
1: there for a minute,
2: and now I don't know who the new guy is. Mm. It, it, they used Vo Williams. I interviewed him, and he, but like, I. I, I don't watch enough of Raw to to know, but it seems like they just go, they do their signature intro and then they just go right into the show. Half and the themes don't even do plays. that anymore. Like, they they don't have like
1: consistently every week. They barely do it.
2: Right. They don't have like an opening theme song, I don't think, or an opening like good. video package
1: like they used to.
4: I have no, no idea
3: bad ACD song. it's all gone downhill oh, after Thorn in Your Eye for Raw. Like that's still peak theme song for me. The, oh, the Papa community.
1: Roach one was fun. That was all
3: right. That was and Across I the Nation something. or whatever it was. Yeah, Across the Nation was all right. I, I still I still uh, I still like Thorn in Your Eye better than all those, but that's also a big nostalgia factor for me. Like, but but um yeah, I don't know. I think it was like wasn't there a song? I I I remember realizing like I'm not this audience anymore. When the raw theme song was like, "We're going out tonight," that was Nickelback. You every night, and I was like, "This isn't wrestling." Nickelback is ruined this? Steven Jensen's fandom. Yeah, I was like, "What? This is not for me anymore. What is this? This like, isn't what?
1: wrestling. This is Chad Kroger." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Anyway.
2: Uh, any final final thoughts on on Vince potentially? We don't know what's going to happen. The first story came out and he stepped back from being the CEO and then he was on television the same day he stepped back from being the CEO and he'd been on television a few times since then. The second story came out last week. We haven't really heard any behind the scenes stuff, but uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported after the first story came out, he Vince was backstage just like, fuck him. And, you know, he came yeah. out on television. He's like, then now together and most importantly together, like he's basically saying you're either with me or against me on this. I don't know how much more is coming out. I listened to the the Wall Street Journal guys talk on Busted Open Radio saying they're going to continue to report on stuff. They don't know if something bigger is going to come out. But when you report on one thing, and this is how the second part came out, more people get more and more comfortable stepping forward with these things. And it's possible that there is more out there. They will get more comfortable stepping forward. And we shall see. I do think it's, they mentioned it, like wrestling fans are very dismissive of these things, because it's like, well, look who Vince portrayed on television for for twenty years now. Like this is not a, a shocker to to anybody. But I think that seven point five million dollar one is a big red flag to anybody paying attention. And but I don't think anything really changes until we start to see like sponsors pull out and, and big you know, big deals fall through the Netflix thing, as Denise Alcedo reported that like that's off the slate right now, that's a pretty big deal because they spent a lot of money on that reportedly. So if that's off the table, that's a pretty big deal. But until like we see sponsors pull out, we see network executives comment on things. I don't know if it's going to blow up in a, in a big way just yet. I'm I'm always of the mind that the rich, powerful white person just gets away with it. That's unfortunately how we've been trained when it comes to this stuff is the rich, powerful white person just stays the rich, powerful white person. And maybe there are minor changes, but in the end, he still lives in his mansion.
1: Funny thing is that wasn't even the only Vince McMahon product being made at the moment. There's still that Blumhouse one about the steroid trials. And then there was that Bradley Cooper movie that I I don't know where that's going so i yeah i I don't know we still might get more Vince McMahon on our screen whether we like it or not
2: he's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna be at SummerSlam man he's i he's gonna he's gonna beat theory he's gonna win that money in the bank briefcase from theory this is my my i'm cashing it in on the
0: courts (laughs) exactly
2: Vince would do some dumb shit like that uh let's move on to my WWE spotlight let's go in a completely different direction Cora Jade turns oh. on Roxanne Perez. Everyone's like, what why is Jeremy talking about NXT? I gotta tell you, there's like nothing happening on Raw and SmackDown that interests me at the moment. But like this NXT turn is kind of interesting because they're the the NXT women's tag team champions. Can they coexist? Can they get along? They've got these titles. Roxanne Perez, the prodigy, seemed like she she could you know, hold all the gold, but Cora turns on her. I guess they're doing a Shawn Michaels diesel type thing because they clearly had big plans for Cora J. They, she was heavily pushed in that War Games match last year. And it seemed like she was going to be sort of the next champion. And then they put the belt on on Mandy, Rhodes, uh, Mandy Rose with everything. And now Roxanne comes along and is kind of taking the, the spotlight a little bit from her. But Cora Jade is here to take her spot back as the top heel. I can't wait. This feud is gonna define women's wrestling for the next decade in WWE. All right. I've said that sounds it. Sounds like a press, not a press. on <laughs> record. Don't hate on Cora Jade and Roxanne this Perez. Is- Why are you such a hater, Connor Casey? Tell me how great this feud is.
1: Because when a tiny piece of a skateboard is all you can whack your opponent with, I have a problem. It's not her
2: fault, that's Prop's fault. Props, but didn't she, make kept, a good job. she kept
1: hitting her with it like it was still intact.
3: <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Hey, so like I can't add a whole lot to this part of the conversation, unfortunately. And um, oh, i and Jensen,
2: you didn't watch this. I told you to watch the segment. I
3: turned it on on YouTube and it was like an eight, it was like a nine minute video. And I was like, I don't have nine minutes. It's a for five
2: this. minute clip. And you, you just, just scrolled to the, you about just the, the like four the eight
3: minute eight mark. Okay, let okay. me let me let me pull yeah. it up while you are talking. I'll pull it up and I'll watch it on my phone on mute real quick so I can see. It's it's um, a five... I,
2: I will put the link. Do you need the link?
3: Uh, if you want to text it to me. I was, I was going to watch it on my phone real quick. Like, all right. um, I will
2: text it to you. It's a five-minute clip. Just scroll to about the four-minute mark of Four-minute mark, and you okay. Can, you can watch just about everything you need to watch. Actually, scroll to the... Because the turn is. happens at the three-minute mark. Scroll to the three-minute okay. mark. Two minutes. That's all you need, Steven Jensen. Two okay. minutes of this. watch it. Well, this Connor was the, Case. Well, I
3: was going to say, this was my reaction when... Uh, when Jeremy sent me that, what did I text you? I said, uh You said that your your WB spotlight was gonna be Cora Jade. And I said, Is yeah. Cora Jade the one that carries around a skateboard but can't <laughs> actually ride it? That was my that was my text. I was like, that's what you're talking about? Okay, that, that's what we're talking
1: about on the show. Yeah. Yes. All right.
2: There's nothing happening on Raw and SmackDown that like I care oh, about at all.
1: I do maintain Alex Palawski's theory that Cora can't actually ride a skateboard. And oh then, no i think that's 100 true
3: because otherwise she'd be riding it right yeah she rides it like two feet
2: so yeah, why are you guys not... hating on cora jade she's playing a character the character right. doesn't have to yeah, be herself
3: the... you guys know the undertaker wasn't actually dead no, i get it i get right? it but like you could have chose anything else that she like actually could do like here's the thing like i don't think that windy Chu actually just sleeps all day but like i love that yeah. character the, the jury's out on that one yeah, but, but that, but that character is great. Like, I think that's actually pretty funny. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is, she goes to the arcade during the day and sleeps all night and, like, and sleeps all day and, like, just kind of doesn't even care about what she's
1: doing. Yeah, the, wrestling, the smoking maybe like Rose's
2: cowboys, okay? Maybe
1: Rose's persona is she is sexy, and in real life she is sexy, so that works. Right.
3: Well, here's the thing. You couldn't, like, prove that, like. The smoking guns, like, weren't actually cowboys or whatever. Like, you what could, do you mean like, you can't prove it? There were no cowboys well, in the well, 90s. Okay. What, well, okay, <laughs> cowboy Cerrone is like is a cowboy, like, cowboy hangman. Page the Dallas is, like,
1: Cowboys were very prevalent wait, in the 90s. What are you my, talking about? My right? point is, they could have given
3: Cora Jade anything. Like, the problem okay. With the okay, the goon, is, like, the goon, going the to goon was a not skateboard. a
2: hockey player. All right, I the know. goon was not a hockey player. You
3: don't know, know that, him, but for him to be, pretend he's a hockey player, all he has to do is carry a stick. Like, Core Jade is carrying in a device that you're supposed to ride. Like it's it's blatantly obvious she can't ride the thing. Like, that's my problem. Is like Duke you the
2: dumpster did not go around collecting garbage cans. Every I mean, he did have
1: a, a garbage can in his hand, so. But all he had to do was carry a garbage
2: can. She has a skateboard like, in her you, hand.
3: But you can't
1: ride She's a garbage can.
3: You can't ride a garbage can.
2: What? The repo man was not going around and actually stealing. It would have
3: been in jail if that were the case. When Darby, Allen, when Darby Allen is near a skateboard, he rides it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know I mean? He plays himself.
1: He, he play, also every, gets on a people tricycle. People at AEW
2: play themselves. They don't know he anything about a, character work.
1: Here's the thing. He goes on a tricycle, gets to the top of a Nitro Circus ramp, and does the stunt twice because the first time he lands on the back of his freaking head.
3: That, that's. I love that's Darby.
1: Insane. I love following Darby on Twitter just for the crazy stuff he's doing on his off days this isn't even a real what is this skateboard that she's trying to use that thing was tiny you're right Connor I'm, I just watched it that's that look
3: that was okay whatever here's the thing all right I I, I know I I knew of Corey Jade a bit on her on the indie scene before WWE I do know who she is and I'm that's I'm, I'm trolling a little bit with joking about the skateboard um I don't know if she's still with Blake Christian or not but I always thought that they were they, they were cool together and I, I I was kind of bummed when Blake got fired like kind of right as she was coming in so like i you know i do know a little bit more about them than i'm letting that i'm leading on but do it's you know who this...
2: roxanne perez
3: is yeah i know who roxy is
2: okay i didn't know if you knew that was certain i haven't haven't
3: haven't, haven't really seen her at all on nxt yet. I, I don't watch the nxt show on tuesdays i just don't unless unless it's something like this where i out of my way to watch something all right i watched it um yeah she turned heel uh she hit her with a very small skateboard she barely... It looked like she missed pretty much every one of those shots so so now she's a heel. You were saying that she's who she tag team champions with, Roxanne. With Roxanne, oh, they're doing oh, the yeah.
1: WCW angle with Rick Steiner and whoever was his partner. Yeah, Okay. Girls. It does it. Okay.
3: So okay, cool. <laughs> Um, good, good for uh, I mean, I uh, here's the thing. I'm excited for for the future of Roxy because you know she's only like 19 or 20 years. Or I mean, she's gonna be like massive. She's so good already. Like. And Cora Jade, once again, like, I'm just roasting her because of the skateboard thing. Because I just think it's I just think it's goofy. But, like, um, I'm not saying she's bad. I just don't watch enough of the show to, like, make a real opinion on, like, how great the story is or, or anything really around it. I'm sure the match will be good, though, whenever they have a, a match between the two. They,
2: so. you, they're going to have a ton of matches over the next decade. And it's going to be great to keep track of all the records. This is future. They're going to be like Batista headlining multiple WrestleManias together. Cannot wait.
1: Why did he think that the thirty-one didn't count? That 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 was the 30. part that didn't make. He, he was like, "Does that count?" Like, yeah, it counts. I think
2: I think SP three was just trying to save face. I'm, does that count? Honestly, because I, I SP three is a smart man. I'm pretty sure he's just trying to save face. Like, does that count? It was a triple threat match. Nobody wanted him there because they wanted uh, Danielson. And it, I'm pretty sure he was just trying.
3: Oh, well, what's he saying? Doesn't what's count. He's saying Batista the oh, thirty-one. Oh, is this? you
2: missed the death. You missed a death on – I should have clipped it. Uh, You you missed a death on Pillar to Post, Steven Jensen. SB3 was like, Conor Casey is spitting lies, saying that uh, Batista has headlined WrestleMania multiple times, twice. That's lies. Conor Casey is lying. He's only headlined WrestleMania once.
3: No, no, in like 2005 or whatever, and then, yeah, 30 in the main event. We had to
2: correct SB3 and tell him 30. Yeah, he got booted off the show. He, he got yeah. murdered. He got murdered. Connor put this man in, in, in a body bag and then put him six feet under. It was sad. I love SB3. It was sad to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah we got to clip. Got, we now we got to take on his tag partner, uh, Alex McCarthy, here. In some, yeah, uh, he got to kick the, the shit program. out of Alex McCarthy. He's horrible.
2: He's ducking. He was being a little bitch, ducking everybody on on uh, on Tuesday. Very
1: sad. He thinks the, word, the I, I said, Ocean is big enough <laughs> to keep us apart. He's wrong
2: i said it on tuesday steven jensen your reaction to is it sure I said on tuesday the worst thing maybe the best thing i've ever done is have you watch wwe stuff because it's so it's so not not for you and it's tremendous yeah yeah yeah. on this show you have to watch wwe stuff because we spotlight it and so you have to watch some of the stuff that i make you watch and it's tremendous yeah but if you wanted to know
1: where nxt has gone in the past year that 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 segment was a great encapsulation.
2: Guys <laughs> are haters. Guys yeah. are haters
3: on future WrestleMania. This used to be Manu my winners.
1: favorite show, Jeremy. Oh, oh dude,
3: I I still got like a... Stephen Jensen's <laughs> got his NXT titles. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I won it from but I didn't pay for it, but I mean, Steven this Jensen's is...
2: backstage doing the point yeah. with uh, yeah, with Triple with, H. It's good. I love go. this
3: product. NXT gold. I Honestly, like. <laughs> Back in, like, uh I guess, like, the mid-2010s, I guess, what, 2015 to 2017-ish, or even, like, 2013, maybe, going a little bit farther back, mm-hmm. I was, like, getting real worried as a wrestling fan because I was, like, man, the WWE product's been, like, real stale, and, like, there wasn't, the indie scene wasn't really thriving at that point, and, like, New Japan hadn't had their big resurgence yet, and, like, all I really had as a wrestling fan for a while was NXT. That was my big hope, was, like, I was on the train of, with everyone else. Like, I hope Triple H takes over eventually. I want to see this on Raw and SmackDown. They're signing all my favorite wrestlers from outside the WWE. Like, this is this is the future. So, like, for a while there, I'm with y'all. Like, I loved NXT Black and Gold. I did. I but, would just, just but I, I did, it just just changed so much.
1: Let's let's go into a lighter topic. What was the angle wrestler match that sold you on the NXT brand originally? oh honestly it was like super early on like right like even
3: probably a little before they started on the network uh just like the rumblings of knowing guys like uh tyler black were like the champion you know because i was paying attention to like fcw when like uh moxley and regal wrestling each other and like chris hero and regal and stuff so like i so i but i would say i got really excited about it probably when like Cesaro and Sami Zayn wrestled. And I was like, Oh, they're having these kind of matches on these shows. Like this is, this is like an indie show on a WWE platform. Like this is, and that that's probably when, but then I would say, um, for me, like I, I thought like Neville's run was really good. Um, but once, once the belt went to Sami and then when it went on to Kevin Owens, uh, my favorite run in NXT history is Kevin Owens as the NXT champion. Um, I think Finn Balor did the most for the brand as the champion, but I think – I would just – I love that heel Kevin Owens coming right in, turning on Sammy, using their their history from Ring of Honor and stuff. And, like, so I would say I got into it really, really early on. But, like, Kevin Owens' title run is what cemented it, I think, for me, as being like, oh, this is, like – this is my show, you know? Mm-hmm. What about so, you?
1: Did you have a moment like that? For me oh. – so I, I had watched bits and pieces of it. Uh, I'm a senior in college at this point, so I'm a little – you know, my, my attention is elsewhere, but uh, but honestly, the everything leading up to Sammy versus Neville, that last one in December when he finally won the title in 2014, that was what really sold me. As okay, I'm watching this every week now. And you know, I I thought Finn's run was okay. I thought it kind of actually took a downturn a bit with the Joe Nakamura Bobby Roode era, and was kind of saved a bit by the surging tag division at the time. Sure. Uh, For me, the golden era is still that 2017 to 2019 and the entire scope of the DIY storyline and everything with Aleister Black. Um, But no, like, when you ask me, like, what's my favorite NXT match, I still go Sammy Neville, December 2014.
3: Yeah. See, like, I think my favorite NXT match ever is probably... Jeremy, you're muted. There's a a lot of really good ones, but, like, I still... For what it was and when it happened in the moment, in the this the hardcore wrestling fan aspect, my favorite match in NXT history is probably Zayn versus Nakamura. That's um, a great that match. Rolled. Yeah. yeah, just that everything just it all came together, and like Nakamura debuting in NXT, coming with that that big name out of Japan and stuff, and like because I actually was subscribed to the New Japan World specifically because of Nakamura years ago. I was like, I got to watch more of like this guy specifically, and that's how I really started. Yeah, well, because like my first introduction to like okada was like tna and stuff you know what i mean so oh, i was like super out of the loop like so um but um but no yeah and then what, like you're saying like i was at wrestlemania in new orleans when um when gargano and champa had that nfc takeover main event that, that show was in, that ladder match on that same show for the north american title was in, it was incredible um so yeah i i nfc black and gold is just the the sad truth of it when it comes to a lot of what we're talking about in all honesty, is AEW kicked their asses, and Vince probably is still salty about it. And he's like, All right, Paul, like it was on you to take care of this, and you couldn't, and now we're getting someone else who can. You know, and it's like, oh, that's too bad. Um,
2: you know, but- the new Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the new Chapa and Gargano is Perez and Jade. Get on board now. All right nxt rainbow Wait, get on Jay board not, not on nxt
1: what are you talking about she could have been but that um was a mess.
2: <laughs> that was a mess. let's move on let's yeah. move on stephen jensen was doing had the nxt championship doing the finger points with triple h the people who did the finger points with tony khan last night
3: uh, over a million fans uh and a great number in the demo tuned in and it was a great show and i think it's been a run of great shows
2: Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland won the AEW Tag Team Championships in a triple threat match that also featured Ricky Stark's Powerhouse Hobbs and the Young Bucks. I have no issues with Swerve and Lee. Very happy for them. Ricky Stark's and Powerhouse Hobbs should have won. That is my statement on the matter, Connor Casey.
1: So I, it's it's really hard for me to argue against Keith Lee. You saw the promo he cut after the match, right? Yeah, that
2: was good. That was that, very. That's emotional.
1: a bit like you know, if there were ever an emotional uh, send off for that, that's yeah, you know, give let let him have the title. I am a bit bummed that I don't know if you saw, but now Arena somehow uploaded the image for advertising all all out. Yeah, like hour before. And it had Keith and Swerve with the titles. Hmm. So oh, you know, I did not so, notice that portion. I, I saw that, that. But but they advertised it, a, it, but yeah, I did not notice that. Oh well. That was starting to pop up on Twitter like 20 minutes before the match started. I was like,
2: oh. oh crap,
1: did they just give this away? Well wow. but the match the match itself was spectacular. It's like, you know, Keith and Swerve. I look at them both and I say, You could make either of these men world champion if you really tried. With Keith, you wouldn't have to try that hard. Um, but it's you know. It's an it's an awesome moment. Uh, it, it it does kind of it's there's an interesting the tag division for AEW is in an interesting state right now, and we can get into that more if you want to. But as for the match itself, spectacular, and I, you know, I I think they have other plans for Ricky Starks. I hope I, so. And I think uh, it involved the fact that Hook smiled when someone asked him about does he want. to I champion? don't
2: want the other plans to be Ricky Starks getting his ass kicked by Hook. Uh, As much Um, as I like Hook, like I'm mad at how they've dropped the ball with with Ricky. Everyone knows I'm a little bit biased towards Ricky, but the man is money, and he's just he's been feuding with with Swerve and and Lee pretty much since they got to the company. Now, if he loses the Hook, I don't know where he goes. He should be at least at the very minimum in the the TNT title picture. Uh, I, I just want better for Ricky Starks. He's so good. He's so good.
1: He is, but I think they look at that FTW title and say that's enough for him right now. Like that—that that is something for him to hold on. And to. they
2: should do so. That's all he does is hold on to it. It's not like he defends it or anything. He just he carries it around and it's just there. And if the the end game is Hook kicks the shit out of him, that's. I don't like that. Uh, I I love Swerve. I I love Lee. I've been a big, big fan of Swerve ever since he joined AEW. I've put him over plenty on Twitter. And every time I – everyone knows I listen to a ton of interviews. And I've listened – once he joined AEW, he did about 300 interviews. And I, I grew to love him even more after every interview that I heard. I'm glad they won. I do think they have potent, big potential as single stars. Swerve talked about it. Uh, I believe it was on the corner podcast where he's like, you know, everyone hates that we're in a tag team because they, they think Lee and I should be uh, singles guys. It's like, well, Hangman and Omega were in a tag team and with the titles and that launched them into single stardom. Like, what's what's the difference here? You guys got to let it play out. Uh, so if that's going to be the launching point for them, I'm for it. Just after they kind of teased a little dissension, now they're the champions. I I wanted Starks and Hobbs to win. Or I would have been fine with the Young Bucks retaining because it does seem a little weird of give them the run for a week and then take the belts off of them for for Swerve and Lee. Or even if they had Starks and Hobbs win, that felt a little weird to just give them like a two-week run with the title. With the Young Bucks, you would think more of they have a longer-term title run. Uh, Jensen, what are your thoughts on Swerve and Lee and then... the the overall state of the AEW tag team division
3: um first i'll say you know i think it's pretty clear that jeff being out has changed a lot of things yeah because i have to imagine the hardys were going to win the tag team titles and now they're trying to figure things out on the fly um and even if the hardys were going to be the transitional champions like to get the belts on to swerve and keith like, even if even if the result was ultimately going to be the same i think it would have made more sense for like the Hardys to have like a short run if they still had the time to do like the young bucks match and stuff in between and then they drop the titles to to swerve and keith or something like that but as far as swerve and keith winning i mean i don't have a problem with it because i like both guys um i i Personally speaking, I think the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world. If you want to make the argument for FTR, I'm fine with that as well. And there's some other great tag teams that you can throw in there. But for me, it's the Young Bucks. Um, But I mean, this match was so good. Like, and I really didn't know who was going to win, like, throughout the match. I thought the Young Bucks were going to retain going into it just since they were so new as champions. But I thought that was a badass match. And, uh, you know, speaking of both guys as single stars, I think eventually both swerve and keith lee are going to be main event singles guys um but they're already main event tag team guys when you really look at it like that they were in the main event last night they're the tag team champions the tag team title belts mean a lot in aew like they're they're very highly valued and i think this is the best thing you could do with swerve and keith collectively right now uh, or individually because you know th- this is not a knock on either of these guys at all as a matter of fact this is kind of a co- this is more of a compliment than a knock but like when when you have a roster like what AEW has right now and granted they have some injuries at the top it's like it's just hard being swerving Keith Lee right now to get into that mix with like Omega, Danielson, Hangman, Mox, Punk, like they have to there's things they need to they need to finish between what's going on in the main event scene right now. Like they need to unify Mox and Punk they need to follow through on Wardlow and where he's heading and he's called out. There's just stuff kind of at the tippy top of the card right now that needs to get itself worked out first before I think more people can kind of get into that mix. So I think for Swerve and Keith Lee, they're both going to get into that mix and this is the best thing for them to do in the meantime, I think have them go out and just have badass tag team matches, defend the titles, continue to get over more and more and eventually whether they split feud and and that's how they do it or they just honestly i like sometimes when tag team partners are just like you know what we don't have to split like we we'll just do our own things but also team when we need to and like there's no split and they keep their alliance and their friendship going forward just without any big turn or any big split like i uh i'm interested to see how they how it plays out with swerve and keithley because i think they're gonna have a good title run and then i do think both of them are going to be like I think both will probably at some point in their careers, both will probably be AEW World Champion at some point and if they both stay healthy and they both and they both stay in the company. Like, you know, I think I think Keith Lee is credible. Just look looks alone. Like you see him and then you see him how he picks people up. He can throw you over the top rope and then jump over that same top rope to the outside, do a front flip. I mean, he's he's crazy and Swerve. I think is just incredibly well rounded. Like he's good at every aspect of pro wrestling, and I think he's. Incredibly charismatic. Like, so it's one of those things where like I think you got a star in both guys. So I think this gives them the best opportunity to to keep getting better and better and getting more and more over with the AW audience as a tag team until there's a spot for them in like a singles run for for kind of the main event scene.
2: Connor, any final thoughts on the AW tag team division?
1: So I think it's in kind of a precarious place right now. Um, the Hardys, for all we know, are going to be out for the foreseeable future because of the Jeff situation. Um, by according to Conan, Santana and Ortiz can't stand each other. So, I mean, Santana's
2: out for a while anyway.
1: With and, and even when he gets back, it's like that should that I feel like them never holding the tag titles. Big if miss. one of them winds up leaving, well, that that's up there with one of the biggest missed opportunities aews had right up there with Cody never winning the world title yeah um and you look at the rankings right now it's it's so obvious to go with young bucks versus ftr3 or there you go for all the gold because ftr has every title that isn't the AEW world champion tag titles uh and they're they're tied one to one so you figured oh that's that's a great match for for all out, and suddenly the wrinkles been thrown in there, and then you look at the rankings, and it's like oh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver in the top five. Eh. Private parties just kind of there, and they seemingly have been ever since they got that first win over the Bucks. Uh, House of Black seemed preoccupied. It, 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 the the division's in a weird spot right now, and I, I'd never say it's you know it's not weak because there's way too much talent in it. There's just no obvious direction with it right now. And you could easily say, oh, well, just let Swerve and Lee, you know, have this unexpectedly long run like Kenny and Hangman did. But then that kind of just leaves FTR out to dry, who I don't know anybody who's not going to put them as the number one tag team in the world right now. So that's – that's it's it's a tricky – Me and Jeremy we
3: both go with the Young Bucks, but
1: – Well, I, yeah. I, I, and I love the Bucks, but – I never heard a louder pop for a lockup this year than I did when yeah. Dan Harwood and Jay Briscoe were in but, the ring. Don't
2: get me wrong. Yeah, the crowd yeah. was chanting for FTR last week right. during the Bucks promo. I have no issue. With, with like, FTR they're number one all.
1: with a bullet for me for tag team of the year, and I don't I don't see how that changes. Sure. That's fact. So, so that's I fair just I find it weird that they're kind of being left of like, you have all the gold for other companies, but you well, can't that's,
0: have- that's what
1: I think is making it weird
3: for like the AEW tag <laughs> team scene. Like you're saying, Connor, is like because there's so much focus on FTR and all the titles that they have, that it's almost like if they have all these belts, like why aren't they getting a, ch- a chance to win the AEW tag titles right now? Like, because they really, sh- realistically, they should also just be the AEW tag team champions that just have yeah. all the titles. And they
1: just kind of sit at number one in the rankings for weeks on end. Right, but rankings
2: don't go. matter though. I've said this for years. Scorpio Sky is right number one in the men's division. They, he just lost. Jeremy, the they
1: can up. make them that's the yeah, but
2: they're not going to, they're just there because they started doing them when the company started. And then it, because they, I'm sure they thought that we're going to actually put some thought and we're going to use the rankings and utilize them. And then once they got big star after big star after big star, they really stopped mattering, but they just kind of forced themselves, they backed themselves into continue to use them. And then when they want to make sense of them, they do, but otherwise they just use them. I'm talking to Anna J. She has some like 22 and three record this year. I don't think I've seen Anna J. wrestle on dynamite or rampage once this year. I'm sure she's racking up wins on dark and stuff, but I don't remember her wrestling and there's a lot of matches. I'm sure I just forgot. Uh, yeah, she something, she but... tried to
1: get the title off of Jade a couple times.
2: Yeah. She lost. She, yeah. Th- that's the thing. They lose all these people with these great records. Marina Shafir. Great example. Jay lethal. Yeah. Great example. Uh, Takeshka. Great example of like, they, they have these, I mean, Takeshi loses a bunch of matches on TV, but like they have these great matches and that's all fine. They try to push these records like 22 and one, 22 and two. It's like, great. You're winning matches on the YouTube shows against nobody. Every time I watch you, every time the masses watch you on Dynamite and Rampage, you lose. And so I can't take you as serious. I hate the rankings. I think they're stupid. I'll continue to be on that. Fair enough. Other AEW spotlights, Steven Jensen, put your makeup on, please. You have been requested. Mm -hmm. To uh, wear the pain maker makeup, come on, Jensen. Aniliter. I don't have
3: any, I don't even have anything I can Get do a that. Black right. Sharpie and just yeah, ant- a black yeah. sharpie oh my just... god, then all weekend i am just <laughs> it's, <laughs> black sharpie. Fine? it's fine. Come
2: on, you picked this topic, Jensen. You got to commit to the no, big here.
3: I picked Swerve and Keith Lee winning the tag team titles, and you said, Hey, since Connor's the guest, can you pick, pick up a backup? And I said, Yeah, yes. how about Jericho's promo? So, anyway. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Hey, Jericho's the, the man. I got. I
2: will do. We got. We got barbed wire next week, and I'm sure that this will be a topic for Jensen and yep. I because they're going to do some dumb shit in that match. I'll do pain maker makeup next week.
1: All right, pain okay. maker, Jeremy Lambert next yep. week, and then you See have to episode. do a psychosis like drop onto oh, a uh, pit of barbed wire, and that that. Oh boy. I'll.
2: Uh... I have. I have a glass tube that I've been waiting to like do for a bit, and now I'm very scared of like trying to do something because I don't trust myself. Uh, I don't know if I can get barbed wire maybe I can get some of that Canadian barbed wire Chris Jericho talked about they they don't they do things safe in Canada. I'm sure that thing is very well protected i'll 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 throw myself into some Canadian barbed wire, which I'm sure is just like silly string out there,
3: <laughs> yeah. What's the best, what do you get? You get paint or what's the best thing that you could use for?
2: I just going to use marker. That's what I used for that Cody tattoo on the round table. Just use like some type of marker. It washes I off. To,
3: I might have to like be out in the world, like at some point in the next couple of days. Like, if that oh, I see. Off. I don't
2: have to. I'll just take a shower right afterward. Do you know <laughs> how, many, how many times I've used marker for bits and okay, stuff okay. on this
3: show? I, just don't I use a Crayola
2: I... marker. That washes off pretty well. Painmaker Jeremy Lambert next week, everybody. <laughs> there you go. I, um, goofy, I, have a, I have a goofy looking hat actually kids have so many props so that's a really that's a great thing about being around kids so much does shit that they just have
3: collected and i can just use nice great same, thing, same right? with the collection um stuff but <laughs> yeah i'm just surrounded by things i one of these days i'll do like a little like tour of, of this the stuff around me right now but anyways um yeah man i i picked this because i thought it was another great jericho promo like i mean i think he's really killing it like i i i love how he brought up how all of like basically kingston and his friendships and how like it's like okay let's go down the list like ortiz shaved his head like santana out of action um you know uh danielson out of action like his you know his 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 relationship with moxley is is interesting basically he he made it sound like you care more about your friends than they care about you and also anyone you care about by the way like we're taking out a commission anyways and ruining their lives so like i just thought it was like a really well done promo and i really like how he, jericho is just doing everything he can to just make this sound, seem like just a really big deal barbed wire everywhere never done before um talking about the bloodshed and like you know both guys it's going to be nasty i mean i don't know if it's going to be to the same degree as what we saw out of like jericho and nick gage but that seems like what jericho is like going for is like that kind of that kind of hype and that kind of uh kind of match that they're that they're building to is something that's going to be super violent super bloody super brutal and one of my favorite matches of the year so far was uh, Kingston and Jericho, the first match they had, where, where Kingston tapped him with the stretch plum, and that's like turned into this awesome feud. Like I, I love the the Jericho Appreciation Society versus um, BCC and and the whole all all everything that stemmed off of that Jericho and Kingston match, and now to see where it's led. And and they made it clear too. It's like this is the blow off. Like in AEW, this isn't gonna be like we have a barbed wire match and then. We're wrestling each other the next, you know, the next week on dynamite, and then we're rematching again on Rampage, and then we're having running back on the pay-per-view. Like this, this is the blow off. Like there's nowhere left to go. This blood feud ends in this barbed wire match. And I um I decided Jericho cut a just he cut a really good promo last night. They got me even more hyped up for the
1: match. So just
3: wanted to shout it out.
1: Connor, what
2: did you think of the promo?
1: Uh, the promo is fine. I I feel like this is yet another I Jericho. Just miss it program that has gone on just a little too long you look at his stuff with mjf um there's there's a few others that that, that one just mainly comes to mind there are he just the the cassidy one that went too long too there are just some programs that he's like one match too many and i That's feel fair. like i feel like blood and guts it's a freaking war games match that that really should have been the end of it and if it, that was meant to then transfer Eddie over into a few with Claudio, fine. But that's not really what we're getting. We're going right back to him and Chris. And now it's in a... They got to finish
2: the thing with him and Chris, though. Blood and Guts did not finish. finish. You could have just had him
1: finish it by having him tap. Instead, you do the Claudio thing, which makes you think, oh, Kingston's going to be pissed that Claudio stole his satisfaction from him, so now he's going to go after him. He's not. Now we're doing a Shark Week tie-in match, where both (laughs) guys are going to bleed like stuffed pigs, which is fine. You know, I, you know, I love me some violence on my on my free TV, but um, I, you know, the, the the promo was fine. I'm I'm curious to see where they go next with the whole Jericho Appreciation Society thing. It lost me at first. It got me back. I thought I think between Anarchy and Arena and War Games, they've both been great. Um, and the promo was just the promo. Like I, you know, and I, I think the Painmaker thing. He thinks it is so much cooler than everybody else does. Like, he, (laughs) I get the sense he legitimately thinks, like, this is my demon. This is my fiend. It's it's his
2: bruiser Brody. It's it's his his bruiser Brody.
1: Weird face makeup and spiked shoulder pads and a hat. Like, this was fine for (sighs) New Japan, where they're all just a little goofier with their presentation. But this, this, that hasn't transferred well over here. So when he's, he, he, he has the big drop of like, and I'm bringing the pain maker. I'm like, this is, this is kind of goofy guys. Come on. Haters.
2: I, I, I didn't mind Come the on. promo. hater er, hater. Sure, I love for yeah,
3: sure. I'm that's kind true.
2: of more on Connor's side of like the, the promo was like fine more than like, Oh, this is one of the, the greatest promos ever. And I don't think Jensen, you think it was like the greatest promo. ever. No. I think you're a little no. bit more hype on it than, than Connor and I, uh, the, the big sticking point to me with Jericho was he said, this is the end of the feud. And I'm a fan of that because yes, Jericho feuds do tend to go on a little bit long. If they were going to try to dra- drag this out to all out, I would have been very agitated by that. But if it's going to end in a barbed wire everywhere match, that's a fitting end for this. And then both men can transition into something else. I thought the promo was good. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, he's like I'm addressing you as Chris Jericho the man, not the sports entertainer, and then he did like sports entertainer lines. Uh, it was it was a fine promo. I'm ex- I was going to be excited for the match regardless. I would have honestly preferred if it was flipped and Eddie Kingston did a long promo and then Chris Jericho did a backstage reaction to Eddie Kingston's promo. That would have been an ideal, more ideal scenario for me. That's fair. He needs to tell us this will end. So we don't think that, Oh, this is going to continue after this. It's good when we have, you know, uh, everyone does this. WWE be, especially like, this is the last time ever. Last man standing eye for an eye, but that was it, the final chapter we need to know when these things are going to end so we get more invested
3: in them yeah. instead Dude, of just I'll never, ending. I'll never forget earlier this year when Cody beat Seth and Hell in a Cell, which my favorite match of the year so far from any company, loved it. Even being a WWE kind of hater that I am nowadays, I'll give them credit when it's due and it's something incredible. I thought that was incredible. But right after the match, Cody's, the, the, mic, the camera's right on him and he's like, it's over. Like, it's over. I've, I've won three times. That's it. And then the next day on Raw, Seth Rollins beats him up. And I'm like, oh, like, like, I know that I know part of it is like to get him off TV. And all, like, I get that. But like, part of me was like, why is Seth involved with Cody at all anymore? Like, he just beat him three times. They said it was over. Like, just move on. Um,
1: they, but they still should have let Cody win money in the bank. I don't care that he has. Money. I agree. I agree. Oh, I trust agree. me. I
3: agree there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so. I'm looking forward to Jericho and uh, in Kingston. I think we all were already like I don't know if this promo gets people necessarily any more hyped than they would have already been, or 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 less hyped if they aren't looking forward to it. But um, it was just one of those things where like it just kind of caught my attention where I was like, Jericho's he's still putting really good promos, and I, I think the Jericho Appreciates Society has been better than anyone expected when the group formed. Um. I, I really like how it's kind of panned out for them. I like it better than the inner circle personally, if I'm being honest, like as I, I, for like what, for what the group actually is like inner circle will seem like a, kind of like a random collection of people to help Chris Jericho and kind of help each other. The appreciation society is like, they're over the top sports entertainers. Like I, I like, and it makes sense with Jericho being their leader, like seeing like seeing someone like Dana Garcia dressing kind of goofy and stuff. Like it's so out of the norm and like, and like Magic Matt just reminds me of like an early two thousands Y two J like you know like there's like a lot of similarities I think and and, and Hager makes sense as the bodyguard in both groups and Guevara makes sense with Jericho and in, in both groups and stuff so I've I, it's it's kind of apples to oranges because I think Inner Circle was really important to the beginning of AEW but um but I really like what, what they've done with the Appreciation Society honestly so let's move on
1: to
2: our other topic. Here.
1: Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle.
0: On Straight up the middle
2: with New Japan Pro Wrestling and the G1 tournament, which kicks off this weekend. Connor Casey, you were adamant that Will Ospreay must win this thing. Why? Why William Osprey?
1: So I, I've i looked at the blocks. I'm looking at them right now as we speak. And I, I love... I'll start off by saying I love the G1. I, I love the, the concept. I love how many great matches we get in a concentrated amount of time. I think they are the only company that is really equipped to do it this way because they don't have weekly television. They don't have to – they're they're not obligated to wait a week for the next round of things. WWE tried a very abbreviated version of this during the pandemic with that cruiserweight tournament, but you could tell even with that, it was like they can only do it with a couple of guys. They, they You couldn't get 8, 10, 15, 16 people in this – kind of idea unfortunately i also feel like there's a lot of filler there, there's especially this year there is a lot when they announce the lineups and they say we're going with four blocks this time because it's the 50th anniversary so we got to go bigger i'm like cool who you got and it's a lot of guys like yoshihashi and bad luck Fale and taichi and guys that you know have no earthly business being anywhere near the finals And you get the same guys like Goto and Yano that you know, yeah, they'll get maybe one or two wins, but they're really not going to get elevated and be real contenders to win this thing. And then you go, okay, well, who actually legitimately has a shot at winning this? Well, Okada, okay, for the third or fourth time. Tana, again, you know, Ibushi's not in it. Naito's already won it before. You know, Jay's in there, but he's champion, so they're not going to go that route. That that always bugs me is they, they have the, the world champion in there, but he's really just in there to get pinned by who his future challengers will be for the next few months. That's the for only sure. reason he's there. So when I look at okay, who's in this that legitimately shakes things up? Because that's what this comp that's what this promoter promotion has needed since the evil world title reign. It's like y'all need some shakeups. And the things you've tried haven't necessarily worked. I love Okada. And going back to him especially for the 50th year anniversary makes all the sense in the world. And I love J Y and I love that he's the world champion. So those two things are fine, but who else is really legitimately going to win? And with Osprey, he's the one guy that I feel like his first world title reign was snake bitten. Cause I maintain that that world heavyweight championship is cursed. <laughs> and it was cursed for its first year. They were, they were punished for you. Cha- you took away the greatest design for a title in pro wrestling, so for that, we damn you for with a year of unfortunate <laughs> injuries. Um, and with Osprey, you know, he has two great matches with Shingo and then he has to give it up. And I feel like this is the one thing he hasn't accomplished in this company yet. His block makes sense because it's either him or Shingo out of block D. And then, like I said on Pillar to Post, you can have it where Okada beats White. In, in the finals of block A versus block B. So you, you can bring that back into Wrestle Kingdom with one of the knights. And then you have Osprey pull off the win in the finals so that he gets the other main event of Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, you know, and people will go, oh well no one's gonna want they're not gonna want two Gaijins, and two English speakers in uh in the in the main event of one of the Wrestle Kingdom nights. And I go, y'all gotta start shaking things up. Y'all gotta try new things. And especially if you're still trying to make your you know have a heavier presence here in the United States, you got to try stuff like this. You know, it can't just be Okada for the fourth time or Tana for the fifth. Like you need to do some new stuff. So that that's why I'm pushing for Osprey. I wouldn't if Shingo got it, I wouldn't be mad. But it's exactly where we were a year ago with him being champion. And you know, it's not like they're gonna they're not gonna strap the rock to someone like Juice Robinson. I'd love it if they did it to Kenta. They won't, but that's, you know, like, that's kind yeah, of, like, the options. I'd be happiest with Osprey.
3: Yeah, like Chase Owens isn't winning this thing. Like there, like there's like a lot Dave of
1: Archer's not winning this thing. No, yeah. Tom's not winning this thing. Joan is not winning this is not winning this thing. It's like cool. You have got people from other companies, but unlike this, this, junior, all, this is always going to happen
2: in in these types of no, tournaments but where thing, you need guys to fill juniors, the roster.
1: I bought that someone like Speedball or Ace could win it. I right. don't buy that for a second with this. I, That's this, true. This yeah. Every
2: year in the G1, they just have these guys that are there that you're pretty confident aren't winning it. But they they got to have guys that, to fill it out.
3: Well, I think what connor's point more so is if I'm hearing correctly, it's more so that like there's really only like one or two people that can win it. Like it's like it's like it's going to be Okada or uh or, or Osprey, really. I mean, and then you look at, and then, like, no one else really, I think, has a chance. Like, I love Tomohiro Ishii, but, like, I don't think he's going to win this thing. You know, like, so it's, like, there's, I so I, I get what you're saying, what you're saying, Connor. Because it's, like, not only is it, it's, it's one thing to have a few kind of dark horses in there. It's another thing when it's, like, realistically speaking, only, like, two of these guys could really win this entire thing. And it make any sense at all. Which is a wonder um, when you have a month-long tournament to win. Right right hey and i'm with you if, if it was me personally i'd have osprey win this without question it's not even a it's not even a conversation for me like he his his that first title run didn't i mean it just didn't go how it should have um and he had to give up the belt very quickly uh he's getting more exposure now on us tv hopefully he's doing more in AEW going forward as well he's still only like he's not even 30 yet still i mean he's that's what people don't realize about him. He hasn't even technically hit his athletic prime yet, which is like insane. Um, so, um, and I think it makes the most sense. O- honestly, I think that Osprey versus Jay White is the best match they could put on for Wrestle Kingdom. I love Okada. I, I like if if they want to put Okada in that spot, I'm never going to complain about that ever. But it's, but I'm with you. They need to do something different. Um, and I think that Jay White versus uh, versus Will Osprey, like it writes itself. Like the story's right there. Um, and, and the match would be phenomenal just like it would be if, if, if Okada was involved as well. Like you can't go wrong with those guys. Um, Personally speaking, I'm a bigger Osprey fan than I am a Jay White fan. I think Jay White overall, like I, the overall presentation of, and everything of him I maybe edges out just a little bit, but like Osprey, what he does in the ring really like puts him on a different level for me. Cause then, then what, with Osprey between his age, and how good he is and his accomplishments already up to this point and putting on more size and kind of changing his style and all this stuff. Like, I don't want to open up the floodgates to this exact conversation, but like, I consider, like, I think like Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson and for personal reasons, Cody Rhodes, those are kind of like the guys that I see as like, those are like the best you can throw Roman reigns in that to a degree. I don't think he's as good in the ring as the others, but like, but yeah, when he's right. But like, if I had to say like who's the best overall wrestler in the world right now, uninjured, I'm probably saying either Danielson or Omega. But like, Osprey for me is in that conversation. If somebody said Will Osprey, I'd be like, you know what? Like, I can't really argue that. Like, I mean, when you're talking in ring, especially. So, I um, I'm with you, Connor. I, I think Osprey should win this whole thing. And personally, I'd like to see him win the world title back from uh from Jay White and just. Just give him an actual run with it and see where it goes especially if he has more access to aew in the states like him as uh iwgp world heavyweight champion in aew that would put him in a whole other whole other level which you know would, would be pretty wild to see joe holvers in the comments <laughs> okay we're- Joe, it's duck, Jerry doing command on America. What's up, Joe? Hey, so the <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things I've ever ever done in like that has to do with like wrestling or, or media or whatever is like when Joe was reading out the list for the Fleet Fifty, and he was going through the whole thing. I watched the whole show. I remember him being like. He gets to Cody, who I think they had been ranked like in the twenty something, maybe thirty or whatever out of fifty. And he gets to it and he's like, and he was talking about how the highest ranking each person had, the lowest ranking each person had, whether they are unranked on people's lists and stuff. He gets to Cody and he's like, All right, Cody ranks at you know, number twenty-six or whatever. Uh lowest ranking was some people didn't have him on there at all. Um, highest ranking was uh I think number four, and I didn't have to look, that was Steven Jensen. And I was like, Yep, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah." number four that seems low for you who'd you have up yeah. something like that um i think i had because it was aew um it would have been omega up there maybe hangman i had the young bucks really high as well i think but i think i had them like individually so it was a little bit lower but i, I could have. i in hindsight would've, i would have i would have ranked it a little different personally if i would, were to one. redo it but um but yeah i had cody like really high like like but it, it was yeah, just behind someone like Danielson. Well, yeah, I think I had Danielson and Omega above him, and maybe Moxley was like way up there as well. I can't remember. But um, but yeah, I, maybe Cody was even third, like just behind those two. I can't remember. But 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 Joe, without even having to look, was like, oh that yeah, that was that was that was Stephen that ranked him that high, and I was like, yep, yeah it was.
0: So, uh, uh,
2: as far as Osprey, who is on the same level as Cody in the ring, um. Yeah. You no, know, in the
3: ring, Osprey is better. I'm not, but well, it's you a sure? different. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. Cody's a better
1: storyteller, Well Cody without having to do been, as much. Osprey just does Twitter, and and Osprey has not. So that that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a
2: Cody Devonte Rhodes <laughs> cured yes. racism. Um,
1: get he's something getting all that. In. Um,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well Osprey just does a bunch of moves that nobody remembers and some guy gives him six stars every every single month. Cody actually he's out here telling stories. Um, I don't think you I don't know if they're gonna headline Osprey and White at the Tokyo Dome because like you said Connor two gaijins. Uh, but, be, but being two knights, I don't know if they actually have to go that direction like you maybe do that for night one and the night two have Okada in the mix or do Okada Osprey night one and then the winner or Okada white night one. Put the belt on Okada, sure. And then do Osprey Okada night two. So that way Okada's headlining both nights. Throw Naito in there. I do think Naito's gonna play a big role um in this G one being 50 years and being that he got his moment screwed over by Kenta when he did win it a few years ago. So I'd look for Naito to play a big role in the G one. I agree, like Osprey winning. I have no issue with that. I thought Zach Saber Jr. should have won the title. I just want them to shake things up in some way that it's not Okada. And I love Jay White. I think he's doing great. I look forward to his G one performances. It is. It would be nice if we had somebody new on top for extended time. And Osprey did not get that chance previously. So
1: I'm fine. I, can, I, can I drop a hot take about Zach Saber Jr.? Oh boy, are we gonna he is, is he worse I'm than Cody have, Rhodes? No, uh, is he worse than Cody Rhodes? Yeah, I,
2: who's I mean, a better wrestler, Zach Saber Jr. or Cody Rhodes?
1: A better professional wrestler, Cody Rhodes. A better <laughs> amateur wrestler, yeah, it's probably Zach. But that's not no, I'm Cody really Rhodes. Right. Is, no, oh, no, no, Stephen is no, about to. Oh, oh no, 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 he does no, the, no. Okay, sorry, grappler with the submissions <laughs> and the joint manipulation. Yeah,
3: no, no. Uh, the thing with the thing with ZSJ is like. He, he moves slower, he moves more methodically, he, but he, he wrestles unlike anybody else, and I like that about him. I like so that he's he's different.
1: He, he, my issue with him is, and it's not, I, I've seen him elsewhere to where I, I will just say, I will just keep this to his New Japan matches. He's got one speed. He's got one type of match. Oh, he does this one type of, he does it exactly when he's doing it in the New Japan Cup, when he's doing it in the G1. Whenever he gets a world title shot, it's usually against Okada, and he usually loses. The match goes the same way, and it's joint manipulation, joint manipulation, joint manipulation, joint manipulation. Have you had enough joint manipulation? Because I got more joint manipulation for your ass. And then the other guy comes back and beats him. It's like that's. It's like, please, I'm begging you, throw a kick. And he doesn't. He, has he the does, it, does the penalty kick. He does the PK. He does the PK. He yeah. does, he, he'll do a lot more in other companies, but within New Japan, it's just how much can I twist this one man's wrist or a leg? And Everyone like, has their. This is why. Head. This is why Zack Saber Jr. is actually the greatest
2: wrestler ever. Because I don't know if you if you've seen my one episode that I've done with Jonathan Gresham. Connor Casey, where he breaks down the ins and outs of wrestling and how wrestlers should have certain strengths and sh- certain weaknesses and shouldn't do everything perfect like all these new wrestlers nowadays. Zack Saber Junior plays to his strengths and he has certain weaknesses and there's a whole Zack Saber Junior's game, but he's also the great at, at joint manipulation and that is why Zack Saber Junior fucking rules. And you are a hater, and I I, I was so excited.
1: It's just oh, my preference. Get muted.
2: I was so excited. For Steven oh, Jensen no. to list off Cody Rhodes' amateur credentials, as
3: you said, Zach's. Do you, do you need me to? I oh thought you were about you, to oh break you, into you, two times in school. school. Do we need to talk about 189-pound uh, <laughs> state champion as a junior and as a senior? Went undefeated yeah. as a junior. I know Xavier Woods can't
1: team? hold a candle to him. Well <laughs> I saw it. I saw it live. I, I, know. I know. Anyways,
3: um, I have to go here in a minute. Nice. Um, but let me let me throw out a couple things for a few of the spotlights I'm going to miss. And y'all obviously feel free to go as long as you want to while I'm gone. Um, Real quick, I'll say uh, Jonathan Gresham, loved the heel turn. Very excited for him and Moriarty. Like that a lot. Um, I know y'all will deep dive into Gresham's heel turn. Um, As far as people breaking out on the indies over um, WrestleMania weekend, I'll throw a few names out there real quick. Or sorry, sorry, for SummerSlam weekend. I'll throw a few names out there um, because I was looking at some of the cards And like the Ric Flair's last match show, like it's mainly people, people know. Um, So I was looking more at like kind of the GCW side and uh, three names that I think people should really look out for. They're already making waves for people who are paying attention, but for kind of like if you're more of like a WWE fan and you're seeing some of these people for the first time, I think three guys that are going to be really heavily kind of blow up after this weekend, potentially. Um, I, am always a big Cole Roderick fan. He's having, he's had a great rise re- recently through GCW as well. Um, I think way more people are going to know about Nick Wayne after this, uh, after that weekend. Um, and people already know that he's, you know, lined up for AEW once uh, he graduates high school. And I think Jordan Oliver is like really primed to really break out and has been for a while. And right now he's getting a real good push in GCW. So those are kind of the three guys I would look out for, um, over uh, SummerSlam weekend uh, to maybe break out if you haven't really seen much of them yet. And um, also shout out to um, GCW for being back on IWTV, which I am very uh, happy to see that they have figured things out. The the settlement series is now uh, starting to air on IWTV, and I'm a guy who you know I've got a promo code with IWTV, and I have friends over there. I'm I'm a big GCW fan, so and I have friends that work there, and I I, I, I have I have a, kind of a toe in both pools. Like I didn't really have. I didn't have like a side in the fight. I just wanted them to figure things out and work together. And I love seeing uh that they figure things out. And uh and yeah, I'm I'm very, very happy to uh to see that they've worked things out and GCW's back on IWTV, even if it's just for a few times a year. Um to answer some things in the super chat, just real quick. Um Alan Angels is going I love that Alan Angels is um is back on the indies. He never really had much of an indie run because he got signed so quickly because they needed people available in Atlanta for AEW during the pandemic. So I love that Alan Angels is 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 having, um, having an opportunity to rise the ranks and, and raise his value before he resurfaces on on one of the mainstream TV shows. He's already showed up at Impact and Kevin Koo. Everyone knows I love Kevin Koo, action wrestling champion. Him and Dominic Greeny, my my opinion, the best indie tag team in the world right now. Balances forever. They're just draped in gold. Um, and Kevin Q is uh, at this point either nine or ten and zero on uncharted territory. So they're uh, they're doing a great job building him as a singles guy, while also simultaneously as a tag team guy. So um, I got to go clock in for the shoot job. Connor, thank you very much for uh, joining us today and uh, for replacing me for today. Even though I obviously still want to on the show, but you guys got plenty of stuff to talk about without me. Good to Connor see you, Jeremy. texted
2: me when when he found out you were on. He said, "Oh, I don't want to work with Steven Jensen." You know, I'm here to take his job. But if he's on, I will talk, prove I'll prove that I'm better than Jensen, and I I will take his job from him.
3: Yeah, I don't believe That's that for a says. second because I know Connor's a good dude, and we don't. I'm i one of those people like I don't trash talk anybody. Jeremy's always like pulling me into everybody. stuff, and I'm like, dude, I like this person. I know. About? So um, I, no, I, but, I
2: try to I try to start fuses with everybody. Thank you, know, you Jensen. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Jensen. See you guys. Pleasure, man. Bye. And I gotta update the Bye. graphics. Yeah, I, I, I try to start feuds with everybody. I tried to get Samira to fight Denise Alcedo last week. Yeah. I try, what We need beef in the media, like, between us.
1: Yeah. Like, there's so much toxicity everywhere else. Why do we need to be terrible to each other? Because it's fun toxicity.
2: There is, like, legitimate uh, of that stuff between everybody, but... We are actually all friends, and in, in October at my wedding, we're all going to get along just fine. Until I beat everybody up, because you have, all have to listen to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like we all, to, we all get along. Bro, kick it's for the it's for the groom.
2: Exactly, exactly. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be re- uh, wrestling, uh, getting married in full John Cena regalia, and I'm gonna hit everybody with the the five knuckle shuffle. Everybody's got to lay down and take the five knuckle shuffle from.
1: I'm going to have to ask the missus if that's, uh, if that's really the plan because it is, this is legitimately. So if I
2: get Bret Hart at our wedding, which is a big if, but I know people who know people who could maybe pull this off for me. I can wear whatever I want and I'm wearing full John Cena get up. There you The, the, the armbands. I've, uh, I forgot plenty of jorts. Uh, all right, let's let's get into the other other spotlight. Mine. Jonathan Gresham turned heel on Rampage this past week. What? Uh, just kind of dropped Lee moyarty Said "fuck off." Aligned with Tully Blanchard Enterprises and Tully Blanchard, and basically just said, "You know, when I was unemployed, Tully Blanchard reach out to me." I didn't like the explanation. I don't mind the heel turn from Jonathan Gresham. I think he's great as a babyface or a heel. I don't know about the alignment with, with Tully Blanchard and, and Gates of agony. I don't think Gresham like fully needs that. I don't know if Brian Cage fits into this. I assume Brian Cage is turns into like this conquering babyface or something, then what was the point of putting him with Tully Blanchard Enterprises in the first place? It doesn't make full sense to me, honestly, because I thought Gresham should have been like babyface carrying Flag for Ring of Honor because that's what he did and that's what he's always kind of championed throughout the the pandemic era everything and why he said he didn't want to sign with a big company because he loved Ring of Honor so much so him now being a heel doesn't it doesn't strike with me too much I think they want Samoa Joe to kind of be the big babyface in the company and that's why Gresham doesn't even have a match for this pay per view. That's in a week. Meanwhile, they're pushing Joe and Lethal as the biggest match on the show. So I think they really want Joe to to be that guy, and that'll probably lead to Joe taking the title from Gresham. I, what do you What did you think of this heel
1: turn, Connor Casey? So I did I miss Cage getting kicked out of Tully Blanchard Enterprises, or is he still in it technically?
2: He's still in it technically. I mean, it's not like ROH just run like television or anything, you know. Brian Cage hasn't been on AEW TV where ROH conducts their business now. So as far as I know, he's still in it.
1: Okay. Um, Gresham, like I like I said on Pillar to Post, he's better as a heel. I thought his stuff with the foundation was great. I honestly thought they could have kept that group going into whatever this is, this, this new era of Ring of Honor. Um, you know, putting him with Tully is fine. Like we all kind of said earlier, I don't I mean the the whole Brian Cage of it all. Eh. You know, I know Joe is in the in the comments right now saying he's never he does that boy. Don't miss. He has never <laughs> dropped the ball. I'm just like, yeah, he's OK. He's fine. But he's he, he's just that he is fine. And as far as Joe mm-hmm. being the one to potentially dethrone Gresham, I honestly like the idea of building up Gresham as the guy that that takes down the Ring of Honor originals. You know, put I'm him in that. the ring with guys like Joe Danielson and Punk and Claudio and have him beat them all. Then you got Then you got yourself a monster right there. You know, he's a you know, it's like having Taz around again. He's a he's a sawed off monster and then have someone like a Moriarty who they're pairing him up with on Rampage this week. And and have that next generation star that you want to kind of anchor Ring of Honor, be the one to finally bring him down. Because if you have Joe beat him, it's more of a nostalgia pop than anything, because I love Joe. But his Tony prime. The Ring nostalgia of honor, pops. But his prime in Ring of Honor was almost 20 years ago. So I, I don't I don't think putting the title back on him now, it, it it's a it's a short term fix for a long term problem, which is what do you do with this second promotion? So and I th- I think Gresham you can get a lot more mileage out of. Um as far as the turn, i all for it. Tony Khan loves the nostalgia pops, though. He, he does, but when you have a when you have a program that doesn't have TV yet and you're still trying to run pay-per-views with, eh, can't can't rely just on nostalgia. Know, Casey, we have a run in here on this
2: show. Is somebody it somebody who, I who think it is? I don't know. Who do you think it is? Uh somebody who you turned heel on on Tuesday. Oh and he's coming no. for revenge. S V three is here, Wait. back from the dead.
1: back from the
4: dead and i'm here with an expose jeremy
1: oh and
4: connor if that's your real name it is i don't think so (laughs) i actually did some investigation Uh for the 135th street journal and i have an expose on Connor Casey, who oh, is God. really Damien Powers from Love is Blind Season 1. I, you thought you could get away with it. You thought that you could fool the American people because you became such a villain on After the Altar. When you when you betrayed Gianna, you left her at the altar. And then you started hooking up with Francesca from Too Hot to Handle. And you wanted to flaunt it in front of her. And you thought you could get away with it. But you didn't know that SP3 is really simon professional three and i can do <laughs> exposes and scandals unlike anyone in wrestling journalism i have exposed you he is really damian powers from love is blind season one i heard that you're from nashville i'm from harlem the first album i ever owned was mace living uh, sitting on top of the world your first album was jeff jarrett's uh fraudery in 1995 that was really the road dog jesse james i have exposed you more than anyone has ever done it you are not connor casey of comicbook.com you just you just got a new identity and now you have been exposed
1: you know, it's funny you, you say I'm from Nashville and I'm not. I'm from Kansas City. So try that one again. <laughs> <of> all, <laughs> usually- and look at the, you just
4: fell into my trap because that's where Damien Powers is from. You just oh, exposed that's yourself. That's
1: fine, but people usually compare me to Dexter. They don't usually compare me to a exactly. guy from a bad reality show. So, nice
4: thanks, Hey, a bad reality show that you became the villain of. So I have exposed you. You can live on your fame at, on your comicbook.com articles, but the real story is you left Gianna at the altar. You became a heel, and then you tried to you tried to fool everyone, but I saw through it. That's why I got my glasses because I wanted <laughs> to see better, and I saw through it.
1: Well, that is uh, it's quite quite the accusation. I must say. Thanks,
2: Sv3. <laughs> As we do, you can stick around.
4: <laughs> no, that's that's all I was here for. That's oh, okay. all I was here for because okay. I was I was I was buried for for Twice. having an opinion. For, no, for... you, that was an, that no, was you were buried for being wrong. Thing. Yes, that it was, was an opinion. It was for ha- it was for having an was opinion. opinion? On... Was a All right, let's it let's was... let's do an investigation
2: here. Why did you say does WrestleMania 30 C- does a count, count? Like count for would...
4: you didn't even let me finish off the joke because <laughs> you... no one wanted Batista to be
3: in that WrestleMania. But it about. counts. That was
4: the joke. But it doesn't it count. Counts it doesn't count it does i i applaud it i i'm like all fantasy bookers i wipe the slate clean of what (laughs) wwe did and i just pretend my mind was right and that it was really (laughs) danny o'brien versus adam you didn't even let me you didn't even (laughs) let me finish my my joke on on puller to post but i made the accusation
2: that connor was wrong you were adamant that connor was lying
4: and was wrong you and didn't then... see me tongue-in-cheek. I literally had my tongue in my cheek. Um, but no, I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Cotter, if that's your real name, I love you regardless. I enjoyed Maybe you too, on bro. Love is Blind season one. And of always, <laughs> Jeremy, I love you. Thank you, people of Fightful. For, for the 135th Street Journal, my name is Simon Professional 3, and I'm out of here.
1: Thanks, buddy. I feel bad because I've never watched that show or else I would have played into the joke.
2: <laughs> it's a good show. You should watch yeah. it. It's, it's terrible reality television, but that's what See, I'm, it.
1: I'm so far behind. Like I'm four episodes behind on better call Saul. And that's back now. I haven't yeah. finished miss Marvel yet. And that's like, I would argue the best Disney plus show that Marvel has put out recently. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just behind on like, it took me forever to finish Barry. Uh, I, I got just, I was
2: trying to catch I, up on that so bad
1: I caught up on the boys like a week late even though I'm known as the guy who loves that show at my own website so <laughs> like yeah I've been, I've been slipping on television man but yeah
2: it's hard to watch television when you have other things going on in your life and with 3 million hours of wrestling right. as well yeah. it's tough, it's tough. Uh, let's get into our final uh, segment on the spotlight here the indie spotlight i want to give a big mother.
3: Fucking shot
2: out. Uh your indie spotlight, Connor Casey, was who's gonna steal the weekend at SummerSlam weekend? Which wrestler is gonna gonna have the best weekend and come out of SummerSlam with more bookings up in their their pay, hopefully, up in their spotlight, up in their uh their their value on the Indies. Connor, who's your pick?
1: Well Jensen kind of kinda stole my thunder on this one because I was honestly he picked, he was like go twenty through. people. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, but I, I, I look at what's been Announced so far for the show For the different shows that are going to be at the fairgrounds um, Black Label Pro Low-key I think might steal the weekend Because they've got Takeshita versus Nick Wayne I don't know how they pulled that one off But on top of that they get jo- they get a double dip Of Josh Alexander before he goes and defends The Impact title And you get Violences Forever on the card So that that Black Label show Might wind up being the best of the weekend especially since I don't know what half of the GCW card looks like right now, because you get, you get the obvious Moxley uh, involvement and they've named some of the the usual suspects. You know, I think this is the weekend that Nick Wayne really, you know, steps forward. Everyone's still talking about that Osprey match from a few weeks back, you know, but some people just still haven't had the chance to see him. And I feel like this is, this is potentially the biggest stage he's had is this weekend. So whatever they wind up doing with him at, the people versus GCW, his match with Takeshita, who I swear is in case K- he's he's hitting Kushida levels of can't have a bad match because everything I've seen him on AEW is oh, this is great. So I, I, I think that's I think that's the winner. I feel like Alexander is going to be the standout out of the Ric Flair show. I've heard what the main event is. I will not say what it is. Do you know? Can
2: you can you post in the private chat because I, I I think I know.
1: As well, I, 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 I might. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll see. But I'll um, talk to you after. Gotcha. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't know how well that match will be received. That is all I will say with that. Um, but I do think a lot of eyes are going to be on that show, so it's a big chance for some people to stand out. And I think Alexander has been on the best run of his life, so having him defend that title in the semi-main, I feel like he is. You know, if anybody is going to win the weekend, looking at what's been announced so far, I feel like it's him. I feel like Nick Wayne's got a really strong uh, contention there for that, too.
2: Let me tell you who is going to win the weekend, Connor Casey. Who's that? And it is the 70 year old prospect by the name of Ric Flair. Because that's all anybody is going to talk about from this weekend. And it's upsetting that that's all anybody's going to talk about doesn't matter good or bad it does not matter how this match goes people are going to remember this Ric Flair match and I don't think it's gonna be very good but I think it'll be not bad enough to where I hope it's I hope it's bad enough to where it's just like hilariously bad and he makes a fool of himself like I have no tie to Ric Flair at this point uh especially the way he's embarrassed himself over the past couple of years I I don't I think it's a a little upsetting that he finds himself in just better position after better position and go circling back to our previous topic. This is what happens with rich white people who are adored by by fan bases. And, you know, Ric Flair somehow fell upwards after everything that happened with him and everything that he has done and everything where he tries to make a fool of himself doesn't matter. He just keeps going forward and he's going to get he's going to get paid better than anybody not on the WWE for SummerSlam weekend uh and he's gonna be the talk of the weekend he is going to win the weekend unfortunately so and it's very it's upsetting that this is the wrestling world and that Ric Flair is going to come out of this and everybody's like oh Ric Flair his last match was such a great event such a memorable event such a monumental event I hope that others I hope that others like Josh Alexander who should have a great match on the show uh, I hope they are able to use this show and parlay it into more for themselves because anybody on this show should go out there and want to have the best match on this show because it's going to be the biggest indie event of the weekend. The GCW lineup looks very good. Uh, you mentioned Black, uh, Black Label Pro. That looks like a good lineup. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff announced, uh, You know, all these random indie events. But the Flair show is going to be the talk of the weekend. And so anybody on that show, go out there, go have a great match, make a name for yourself off of Ric Flair, headlining in whatever farce of a match he's going to do.
1: To bring it back to a more positive note. I, I find it interesting that we're a couple of weeks out and only a couple of promotions have announced that they're going to be running shows. And unlike in other cities, like in Dallas during mania weekend, where there were five different venues that were all running things, this is all kind of being contained at just the national fairgrounds. And I don't know if that's a good thing because it means fans don't have to travel and they can just stick around for certain things. Or if it's bad in that none of the other smaller venues are running smaller shows. Anything I wonder like how
2: how much like they just weren't able to put things together. Because the StarCast announcement was a few months out. But, you know, WrestleMania weekend, that's planned for like a, basically a year out. Like yeah. everyone knows WrestleMania is on these days and stuff. SummerSlam, they already had it planned on Saturday. I know the indie shows like do run around SummerSlam, but when it's a, a Saturday event, it's a little bit tougher because you assume that like a good chunk of fans leave Sunday. So you don't want right. to run like a ton of Sunday events because you just don't know if anybody's going to show up. And then the Flair thing got built on Sunday. So it's like, well, okay, people are sticking around. But by the time all of that got announced, how much were people able to like secure bookings and do a bunch of shows, secure venues and things. So I do wonder like the logistics of everything and the timing of when various things got announced. And that's why we haven't seen like, you know, uh, 10 different indie promotions run like, all right, we're going to do shows this here, 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 and here. It's a lot built around like Starcast, And I wonder like how much had to be like organized with, Starcast because they've kind of taken a hold of like the fairgrounds and whatnot. They're doing stage shows and stuff. Like how much had to be kind of built around that as well. I, I think cool. there's a, a lot of different factors at play as to why we just haven't seen. You uh, know, New Japan's running a show uh, at, as at well. the fairgrounds. Yeah, yeah. Like so I wonder how much uh, the, the other factors played into that we just don't know about.
1: Right, and there. The funny thing is that there are so many venues in Nashville that there's no way it's a shortage of that. Like nobody yeah. seems to be running the basement East and that's where S you know, Southern underground pro that's where they run all their Sunday shows. So I'm like, yeah, where are you guys? Where's no one's running Bridgestone, which I'm a block from. And that's, that's, you know, that's our, a big, I don't think anybody is like, it's, it's big, I'm still like NXT isn't even touching it, which I feel like if you're going to do something, do it there.
2: Yeah. Um, but NXT a, they're fed non grata to WWE at this point
1: fair fair but yeah it's uh it, it it's it's an, going to be a definitely an interesting weekend and uh you'll you'll definitely be seeing plenty of me at the fairgrounds um for what i can because i i'm in this weird spot where i have to fly out to chicago like midway through friday because this is also the weekend my brother is having his bachelor weekend at Lollapalooza, so i will
2: could be- you not plan that better Denise Salcedo is also, she's she's going to be missing things. She's got things to do. I think she's announced this. Hopefully, I I, I spoiled when Will and the Grapsody guys were having swerve on their show, and Will got very mad at me. Denise Salcedo is getting married that weekend, so will not you guys plan better on this stuff?
1: Man, blame Metallica and Lollapalooza for booking <laughs> Chicago. Like Start all the way at the top, and then get to my brother and his fiance. I mean, you blame Metallica for a lot of things.
2: Just, just uh, download the show on Napster. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah, right. I got got some bad news about that one, Jeremy, because it's (laughs) it's, it's, Napster doesn't
2: exist anymore. I don't
1: think so. Oh shit! I I have to. I have to imagine it got bought by somebody. No.
2: Well, they haven't done a very good job with it um jensen's indie spotlight was gcw being back on IWTV for a run of shows uh the first one was was this past weekend the the settlement series it feels very gcw light in that they aren't really going all out to promote this kind of stuff uh but they're they're on the they're on the platform like they're working together a little bit do you have you have thoughts on on this connor casey
1: I do not. I I have missed these shows, so I, I do not have many thoughts on
2: them. All right. Well, this was Stephen Jensen's wheelhouse. Everyone can go to uh, IWTV and use the code Fight Talk to to sign up there. But like, just looking at the show, like they had Nick Wayne uh, compete, but this is not like your top GCW guys uh, on there. And they made you know they made fun of the the whole settlement stuff. They did some some vignettes, and they had a bussy Supreme Court on there as well but it did not feel like it was a gcw show that was super heavily promoted as like this is one of our bigger events it felt very much like we're obligated to now run these shows because of everything that happened with iwtv here you go here's a show here's your nxt 2.0 show that we're going to give you your gcw iwtv show Connor, appreciate you joining us. We don't have a creator spotlight. Connor is basically in our creator spotlight all week. He was on Pillar to Post, the interim Pillar to Post champion, coming for Alex McCarthy and the real title. And I appreciate you filling in and doing the entire show. Let everyone know where they can find you at.
1: So you can find me on Twitter at Connor You can find all of my writing stuff over at ComicBook.com. I'm not just covering wrestling. I also do comic reviews each week, so you can uh, see how I'm feeling about some of the latest comics that are getting published. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ConnorCaseyCB. And, uh, yeah, you probably noticed the shirt, FXE Wrestling. Uh, I won't say much for now, but just uh, look them up on Twitter, maybe on Facebook, and uh, keep an eye out for certain things because uh, some big things are coming.
2: I was wondering what that shirt was. I thought it was uh, – what's, what's the, the Vince McMahon company, the World Entertainment Extreme? What is this stupid – that use the XFL? What was the name that he used for that?
1: I don't know. Oh, I Columbia, uh, it was wasn't it Titan Sports that technically owned? Oh no, 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 no! Hold on, this is research here on this
2: show because it looks it has the XFL colors. No, no offense about well, it, but wait. it is very yeah the, that that whole color thing. Um, hold on, what it, it, he he had the subsidiary this terrible, god awful radio slash uh, slash video right now just awful awful podcasting um i'm never gonna find this either which is gonna be even worse somebody in the chat has to know this somebody help us out whatever i was wondering what the shirt was because i did not know so So it
1: stands for federation x entertainment okay yeah
2: thank you for for clearing apparently it was alpha entertainment i that 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 was instead i thought it was something else but maybe i don't know i've been hitting the head too many times guys next week the pain maker jeremy lambert makes his debut on this show jensen and i will be back talking everything going on in the world of wrestling uh you can go to fightfuloverbooked.com. we have a big lineup of stuff this week pillar to post which was one of our our best shows ever it was just great that, connor casey was there joseph holbert was there sp3 was there getting killed samira was there a uh, great lineup on, on pillar to post um, we've had two episodes of the Joshi Dreamcast with Scotty Wrestling reviewing the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show and the Stardom Show from this past weekend. We had uh, Kieran and, and Matt from Shining Wizards doing their New Japan G1 preview podcast on the, the Bread Club New Japan show. Just go to Fightful Overbook, subscribe there. We have Day After Dynamite today. We have Coexisting with Rob and Maggie tomorrow. I have the trailer for a new thing that I'm doing dropping on Saturday. A lot going on at Fightful overbook so everyone and we have FMC every Monday SB3 and I reviewed uh The Hustle with with uh Adam Sandler his basketball film that's our non wrestling show that's on the, it the platform it was good it was really yeah. good you should yeah if you have got time check it out it was it was really good um yeah we reviewed that we talked to uh, challenge stuff I filed the complaint share Delaware was there as well joining us on the show so great great stuff over on Fightful Overbooked. everyone go over there subscribe Leave us some thumbs up on some videos. Um, yeah, so we'll be back next week with Spotlight. Go to Fightful Books. I'll make my run in on Day After Dynamite. Thank you, Connor Casey. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Bye, everyone.
4: Like- this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand